last year I made a million dollars. The 80-20 principle would say this, that $800,000 of that million came from 20% of what I did. And then I got even a little bit more granular. And I said, well, over the last year, I've worked about 10-hour days. And I made a a very clear decision that I was going to give up $200,000 in exchange for eight hours. And I walked into the office the next day, and uh, one of the leaders uh, that I'm still in business with today that really helped run that business, I walked in, I said, listen, you have me two hours a day. I'm going to figure out what I have to do. Do nothing else but that. I'm going to give you 200 grand. There's salary cap that just opened up. Now use that 200 grand to make sure you get the other eight hours done. Now we like to think that we are, we are the only people that could do that eight hours of work. But the reality is, is I could go out and get four people at 50 grand a year. I could get two six-figure earners. And, and, and I told that individual, I don't care which way you go, but you have 200 grand. Now, day one, I thought I was going to give up the 200, keep the 800, and just take back my eight hours. What happened, as you can imagine, is the people that we hired were well more suited to do that eight hours than I was. They did it quicker. They did it more efficiently. They did it better. I didn't give up 200 grand. In fact, we net more that year than we did the year before. But that lesson for me was this. I just need to figure out what my 20% is in that business. This is The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. Imagine working so hard to scale your business and you have your first year where you net a million dollars. You're so excited that you wonder if it can be done again. And the second year, again, you net a million dollars. And then you realize something's wrong. Gary Keller says that working hard is cheating. It's cheating because you can do the wrong activities. And if you work long enough, you can muscle your way to a result. It's cheating because you end up cheating yourself out of what it means to actually live a life. The person you're gonna meet today is a perfect example of this. He worked so hard to build a business that could scale, that could create abundance for his people and for himself personally. He did in fact net a million dollars two years in a row. And he realized he was cheating himself out of what it actually meant to live a life. We're going to go on a journey of how he began to apply the 80-20 principle. The idea that 80% of your results come from just 20% of your activities. Focusing on his 20% for a maximum of just two hours a day. Giving up that extra time and bringing people into his world so that they could take his 80% so he could actually go and live a bigger more fulfilled life. This is an amazing episode for you if you are a business owner, if you are a leader, a manager, entrepreneur, if you are someone who has the capacity to bring leverage into your world, then you will want to pay close attention to what this man has to say. With that, let's get into this episode with Chris Suarez. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. 
They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I'm excited to have this conversation today because most people who listen to this show are familiar with the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, the idea that 80% of your results come from just 20% of your activities, yet they don't live it. You have. What was life like before you got really intentional on focusing and owning your 20%? That's a that's a great question. And I, I I think the difficult thing for me to really think about is, as you said, what was life like? And the reality was, uh, I think I hit this point where I realized I wasn't really living life. I was just running a business. And that is what um, caused me to take a step back and and sort of drastically change sort of the direction that I was going, my family was going, my business was going. In fact, um, I stepped out of the business altogether. I thought, gosh, this business is controlling me. Uh, that's not what I signed up for. And I think I'll go back to school. Well, fast forward, and and I just love the business that I was in. So when I jumped back in or stepped back in, I said, I just have to do this differently. So when I and that wasn't immediate, but but the couple years that I began building the business the right way with the right concepts of the right mindset, I had this constant reminder of what life right. I use that loosely, but lo- what life looked like prior to. I mean, I, I remember going to one of my mentors and and asking for help. And I just said, gosh, something's got to be different, right? My my production, my income, my business looks the same for the last three, four years. I feel like I'm working harder and harder and harder the last three to four years. And the advice that I was given by someone that I really cared about and, and truly respected was, mm, you know what? You need to time block better. And I remember going back to my office and looking at my calendar and I said, gosh, you have no idea. There is no more time to block. Like everything <laughs> was blocked. And so that was, a, that, was, that was a big issue for sure for me. And as you asked me that question, I, I, I kind of almost get that pit in my stomach of the reality was life wasn't like anything because I, I wasn't living life. I was just running a business. Mm-hmm. What were the things that you now have in your life that you were sacrificing at the time? Mm. Uh, I think experiences. Um, you know, as you know, our our business is built around this mission that we can build experiential lives through whatever business we're building. Right? We happen to be in a real estate space, so our, our mission is building experiential lives through real estate. But the fact is, is um, there were no experiences in my life prior to that time, and now I'm I'm very very purposeful to make sure that one I live experiential 
lives with my my family and 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 I wake up every day and say, hey, how do I make sure that people around me are living experiential lives? And then how do we bring that experiential living to our communities? We really believe that we can we can sort of grow that or mushroom that um, across our our, our the, the cities and, and the states that we serve. And and that's one of the reasons for the growth. It wasn't growth just because I wanted a bigger business. It was growth around this mission that man, there are so many of us that are stuck. Um, waking up, uh, going to work, going to bed, waking up, going to work, going to bed. Like I saw my dad do that, right? My dad was a copier repairman for the the minute he graduated high school to the day that he retired. I don't know how many, 50 years he worked for that one company. And, you know, now retirement came and typically retirement comes, I think the average American retires at age 66, but we live 78 years. So you figure that out. That's not a whole lot of years of experiential living. And the fact is, by the time we get to 68 or 66 or whatever time you're going to retire, our health isn't in the place typically where we want to experience life to begin with. So I I had this visceral reaction to, I, I have to change that for myself. And so the biggest difference is my day, my week, my month, my year is truly planned around Am I living experientially? Uh, and and I have that sign up in front of me and in every office that I step into, am I living experientially? And if not, what needs to change immediately such that I am? What are some examples for people who are listening to this who go, what, is it, what does it mean to live experientially? What are some noteworthy things that you prioritize? I think for me, um, one of the big, the big things that was causing me angst was the fact that I needed to be at a certain place at a certain time for someone all the time. And when I took a step back to live experientially first meant, where do I want to be? Uh, and, and how do I get there while growing at the same time? So I wanted to build a business that wasn't a location-based business, that I could experience any place in the world at any time that I chose to while while working and, and building a business. So for me, experientially began with, gosh, first it's location. Where do I want to be right now? Uh, so many of our businesses get us stuck in a place showing up to a certain office at a certain time uh, with certain people, and that wasn't experiential. The other thing is just the fact that we have all the this list of things that we want to do and and we just never get it done because we have other things that that somehow show up as a priority. Right? There are there are places we wanted to go, there are people we wanted to meet, there are there are things that we wanted to see and and I and I realized that prior to me making this uh, r- real decision uh, to live experientially, I could have repeated my father's life. I could have repeated the the American, right, in quotes, life of wake up, go to work, go to bed, wake up, go to work, go to bed. And and once in a while, I'll take a vacation. But oftentimes, right, that vacation was was really not too far away from, right, the, the work that was that was waiting for me when I got back. So for me, it's location. For me, it's it's putting myself into situations that I would never been in before. For me, it was as, as I had children, making sure that they saw things not from my lens, but from theirs through other lenses, which meant they needed to be in, in different countries, around different kinds of people, around right different different economic backgrounds. And and so, you know, as you know, we spend we spend three to four months a year out of the country and and have done some incredible work with with my girls and and, and it's changed the trajectory of how they think and, and who they want to be as well as they grow up. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's go 
to the beginning of this journey where you're just not fulfilled in your business. Every single minute of every day is blocked. You're working hard and you're cheating yourself out of what it means to actually live a life. And then you look at the 80-20 rule and you have an epiphany. What was it? Well, I think I think first, to be fair, um, I looked at the 80-20 rule rule and i looked at it for about 2 years uh it wasn't it wasn't an immediate <laughs> epiphany right it was i'm going to begin building around that 80 20 rule that pareto principle and i think that we tell ourselves we are and it's easy for that not to happen the moment that i realized that something had to change i actually had a really good business right my goal was to build a business that net me a million dollars. And I did that. So one year, great, that could be chance. The second year it happened, I thought, well, that's amazing. Uh, But I remember standing there after that second year going into my third year. And I realized that "Mm, I don't know that that matters enough to do it again. Right? Am I really going to do this again? And I thought about that 80-20 principle. In fact, I, I have that in fact it's it's in front of me now and and i looked at it and i looked at it and i th- i thought is this a principle or is this part of my life like do i just look at this or is it real and this is how i thought about it jeff i said last year i made a million dollars the 80 20 principle would say this that mm, 800 of that 800,000 dollars of that million came from 20% of what i did and then i got even a little bit more granular and i said well, over the last year, I've worked about 10-hour days. Now, some people look at that and say, oh God, I would never work 10-hour days. And others think, good God, just give me the 10-hour day, right? I'll take 10-hour days. But for me, like the 10-hour day was irrelevant, but I said, "Mm, it took me 10-hour days to net a million. So I looked at that million dollars and and I asked myself, if the 80-20 principle were real and it applied, 80% of that would be 800,000. Am I personally okay with with an $800,000 income? And and the answer at that moment in time was yes. So if I was good with an $800,000 income, 20% of my time, remember 10 hour days, that means two hours of my time led to 800,000. 80% of my time, which was eight hour days, eight hours was giving me 200 grand. And I made a, a, a very clear decision that I was going to give up $200,000 in exchange for eight hours. And I walked into the office the next day, and uh, one of the leaders uh, that I'm still in business with today that really helped run that business, I walked in, I said, listen, I'm not living the 80-20 principle. Uh, You have me for two hours a day, right? We're going to figure out what I need to do in those two hours, but you have me for two hours a day. Now, here's what I'm going to exchange, right? I get it. Why we get hung up is the eight hours still has to happen. We say, "Ah, I got it, Chris, but there's all this other stuff that happens. You're right. It does. And yet if I'm I'm going to live that 80-20 principle, I was good with giving up 20% of the income, which was $200,000. And I told that individual, you have me two hours a day I'm going to figure out what I have to do. Do nothing else but that. I'm going to give you 200 grand. There's salary cap that just opened up. Now use that 200 grand to make sure you get the other eight hours done. Now we like to think that we are are the only people that could do that eight hours of work. But the reality is, is I could go out and get four people at 50 grand a year. I could get two six-figure earners. And, and, And I told that individual, I don't care which way you go, but you have 200 grand. 
Now, day one, I thought I was going to give up the 200, keep the 800, and just take back my eight hours. What happened, as you can imagine, is the people that we hired were well more suited to do that eight hours than I was. They did it quicker. They did it more efficiently. They did it better. I didn't give up 200 grand. In fact, we net more that year than we did the year before. But that lesson for me was this. I just need to figure out what my 20% is in that business. So eight hours showed up. Here's the point that I think is worth noting, Chris, that you said. It's great to look at the 80-20 rule and look and say, yeah, two hours a day of my work is generating $800,000. I'm just going to give up the other eight hours and that 200 grand. You're saying, well, that stuff still has to get done. The key is you know the power of leverage. So you said, and you went to your person, I'm going to give you 200 grand to go and hire people to take that 80% off my plate. And it wasn't even a break even because they were even better at, better than you at that 80% and the business grew. So for every single one of you who is listening, what is your 20%? What are the 20% activities that you are currently doing that you should be doing because you're great at it and you love it and you're uniquely qualified to do it? And what's the 80% of everything else? That's when you start to realize who you're missing in your world. Now, Chris, this was just the first time you did it. So what did it look like moving forward for all your other business opportunities? Well, I realized I had to take that 80-20 principle. And every time I've stepped into a different opportunity, whether that be coaching, whether that be running offices, whether that be launching a franchise in another country, I said, could I put two hours into this business and turn it into a million-dollar business? That's the 80-20 principle. That's understanding efficiency and effectiveness. And any opportunity that I was going to look at and step into... I was no longer allowed to put any more than those two hours, right? That 20%, those two hours into building a million dollar business. And I think that's where we look around and say, gosh, how does that one person accomplish so much? Well, we all have the same amount of time. As I look at people that I, I respect and, and, I, and, I, and I say those same things about the, the one difference between them and me before that moment was they mastered this principle. That one principle they mastered and they were creating wealth through multiple businesses, but they had mastered their 20% in each one of them. As you look back over this, what are the 20% activities that you refuse to give up? You know, it's interesting as the business grows, as the business innovates, as the business changes, my 20% has changed as well. So early on at that moment in time when we were uh, when we were really really growing at a, at a quick rate, um, my role at that time when I first looked at that 20%, it was customer acquisition, it was customer conversion. It it was almost everything up to customer closing. Now I had people around me that were stepping in and closing the deal and and turning the customer into income, but for me, initially, the 20% was customer acquisition and customer conversion. As, as that business continued to grow, I realized that that was even no longer my 20% because other people could do customer acquisition and customer conversion as good or better than me. And what my organization looked at me for was leadership, 
was content creation, was coaching them into being better salespeople, better business people, better human beings. And so in that business, right, in that business, my, my 20% right now is, is truly uh, coaching, consulting, and, and growing uh, leaders within the organization, as well as acquiring talent. So talent acquisition became my 20%. Yeah. So I want to dive in there because you got a lot of people who are in leadership positions, which when I look at the difference between a leader and a manager, a leader asks great questions and helps their people self-discover the opportunity. A manager is oftentimes telling them more what to do. What have been the habits that you've acquired that have made being a great coach, being a great leader, being a talent magnet, easier or unnecessary? Probably the most important habit was um, first, if I'm boiling it all the way down to the first one, is is white space in my in my calendar. Mm. Um, I, I couldn't create a new habit until I right, which 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 I talked earlier on that that was a challenge even in the beginning until I created white space in my calendar to think and understand where I needed to grow, and then into that white space build out a growth plan. That growth plan for me uh, includes reading. Uh, I, uh, right now, I'm, I'm reading a book a week. And, and sometimes, right, that book didn't move my needle. Uh, but for the most part, the books that I'm reading um, are around how do I grow as a leader? How do I grow other people? Uh, how do I look at my business differently? What's happening in the industries that I'm in? What What's changing? How do I continue to innovate? How do I scale? So for me... That was a that was a completely new habit. I always liked to read. I just never had I just never made or invested time into doing it. Mm-hmm. So that that felt like that felt like free time and and none of us really like to feel like we have all this free time in our business day, but I recognize that if that is my 20%, then it is okay and it is needed for me to spend time in my working day reading and and developing content and and dissecting that content for my people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk about getting into relationship with talent, because if they're really talent, then they are so much better than you in that area. What have the habits been that you've acquired that have made getting into relationship with extraordinary talent easier or unnecessary? I think understanding what all talent wants. Um, or what talent is looking for, and then being ha- being able to have conversations around that. I, I think it boils down to, uh, I think time, mm-hmm. I think money, I think uh, contentment, and I think experiential living. So our mission, understand for for me, I, I and no matter what business we're in, if we're a mission-based business, then it's always attracting talent to a mission. So we're very clear that for me, talent attraction starts with finding other people that decide that yes, I want to live an experiential life. And then it's up to me in attracting that talent to show them why an organization or a business that I want to partner on with them will lead them towards or down the path of experiential living. Mm -hmm. So it's time and money and experience. Take everything you know now and now put yourself time travel back to when it was your second year of netting a million and you're going, I can't do this anymore. I think that's where a lot of people are now, not necessarily from the income standpoint, but from the what I am doing is not sustainable. 
What's the one thing you would tell yourself to start doing immediately to fast track your progress moving forward? Learn from others. Uh, I think I think many of us are raised um, to be self reliant, to not ask for help, uh, to put your head down, figure it out, and go to work. And that was me for the first decade of of my business. And and I do want to share this as well. Um, I think we may have those moments that you just said, gosh, we get to that point and we say, we can't do this anymore. Oftentimes that doesn't just happen once. So it had happened, right? Before that moment, and yes, at that point I had a million dollar business, so the money is irrelevant, right? It can happen at a million, it can happen at five million, it can happen at 15, or it can happen at, right, I'm in debt by a hundred grand. So the first time it happened, I didn't have anything. The second time it happened, I had net a million, but the fact is I still hadn't, I still hadn't committed to asking for help and that's asking for help on the journey, but it's also being able to understand that you're not going to build something big by yourself with your own skill sets. So I think asking for help, learning from others and and being willing to listen is probably the one thing that could have changed my trajectory way earlier than, than it did change. For you who's listening, take a moment and pause. Where are you currently so focused on taking action because you believe that's what's required to achieve extraordinary results? When in reality, you may be reinventing the wheel. Think about what your roles and responsibilities are. Are you the first person to ever have to do these things? Or is there someone that might have gone before you who's already achieved extraordinary results, who could reach back, grab your hand, and help pull you forward along the way? It's why anytime somebody asks, how do I find a mentor? We say, go to episode 49 and listen to that episode about how you find a mentor. It's why we always advocate the importance of having coaches in your world who can expand your mind and hold you accountable. It's why we're, we formed a coaching company behind The One Thing, which if you're interested in that, go to theonething.com, click on training, and you'll see information there. Pause. Where can you be learning from others and not having to do it by yourself because no one succeeds alone? When we come back, we talk to Chris about when enough is enough and how you actually find gratitude when so many of us are caught up in just trying to have more. As you listen to this episode, you may find yourself saying, I'm not where Chris is yet. And I just, I just want to be there. Maybe you're on pace with him. Maybe you're ahead of him. One thing we know is that every single one of us oftentimes wants more. The question is, is it a healthy desire for more or is it an undisciplined pursuit of more? We talked to Chris about what his mindset is like at this point in time in his career. Yeah, so uh, over the last year, every year actually, I try to I choose a word and and really do a lot of research and 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 thought and just growth around that word. In 2017, it was time. In 2018, it was contentment, and that's an interesting word for me, right? Where our our businesses are still in growth mode, but but this concept of undisciplined pursuit of more at times, we just get stuck. And and in my reading, 
what I came across and I started just doing a lot of research on is the Industrial Revolution. And interestingly enough, so much of that undisciplined pursuit of more comes from that. The fact is, is during the Industrial Revolution, right, the the entire reason uh, for that to show up was efficiency, right? The mass production of goods. Machines were were said to be replacing people. So men and and then women went to work and said, no way. Like, this is not going to happen. I can work harder. Like, a machine's not going to replace me. I'll work longer hours. I'll beat that machine. And I take a step back, take a step back and say, well, well, thanks a lot. Like, that culture has continued. And unless we recognize that we have to break that culture or break that cycle or break that habit and can, we will step onto that same platform. I saw it, right? My family is a long line of right people that that just got stuck in the culture of the Industrial Revolution. So for me in 2018, I said, well, how do I still focus on growth? How do I, how do I grow while yet being good with where I'm at, right? Being content with what I have, being content with the rate and the speed at which I'm growing. And I and I'm an equation guy, and I started just sketching out on on a piece of paper. Well, what are the ingredients of contentment? Like, what what words come to mind uh, when when contentment showed up? And time mattered, uh, choice mattered, money mattered, people mattered, opportunity, experience, and activity. Right? Those those words uh, mattered. Those seven words showed can up. You, can you repeat them again? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, and I'll go in the order that I, that I sort of, and I'm looking, these are on my wall. It's activity, time, choice, money, people, opportunity, and experience. Seven words. Now, I began to put those seven words in a series of equations. So for instance, that first equation, right, on our path of contentment, uh, you know, we hear this expression, time on task over time. Well, I lived that equation for 10 years. The problem was it wasn't time on the right task over time. So that first <laughs> equation is... And, and you were an amazing email checker. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah, you know, I'd get back to you in seconds. So, so I looked at that and I said, okay, the first ingredient, activity multiplied by time, right? It's the activity multiplied by time over choice, right? Divided by choice. Choice has to show up. That's that time on the right task over time mm. will lead to money. Activity multiplied by time over choice equaled money. Great. Now I have some money. Then I said, well, money plus people, right? When you add people and you put that over opportunity, right? Money plus people divided by opportunity gave me time. So now I have the first two things, right? On the, what I call in the pyramid of contentment, money and time showed up. Well, I took that time. I added money. And that gave me experience. Remember, that was my mission. Like in order to build an experiential life, time plus money equals experience. Unfortunately, you need both of those to create the experience. And then my last equation, I took that time. I multiplied it now by money. I put that over experience, right? Time multiplied by money divided by experience. And I realized that that, that led to contentment. You need mm-hmm. money. You need time. You need experience. But if you have those three, 
it leads to contentment. And I wake up every day saying, do my businesses, do my organizations, put the people that I partner, put everybody in my world on that path of money, time, experience, and contentment. Because if we do, then it allows us to to deliver our mission of living experiential lives. Now, it all came back to, honestly, the one thing. Like It comes back to what is my one thing? What is my 20%? What is your 20%? What is each individual's 20%? See, if we're all focused on that, then we're going to figure out how all of us make money, how all of us buy back time, earn back time, then invest that time into experiences, which will lead us to having an organization filled with people that, that, are, that are mastering contentment. Yeah, so what, what I realized is um, if I take my own time and I take my own money, I'm going to create an experience. The last one is now more of an investment and compounding of time and money. So when you take the time that, that you've inve- earned back, Right, I take that five hours. Right before, I was actually taking that time, taking that money, and putting it into the experience, creating the experience. Mm-hmm. Now I am, I am compounding my time and money, and I'm making sure that everything I do around time and money is is built around an experience. Even my work uh... life is built around the experience. The first formula gives me money. The second formula gives me time. Like I got some money, I got some time, great. I'm going to use both of those to get the experience. Once I am now understanding that an experience of life matters, I'm going to take my time, multiply, apply it by money, right? I'm going to compound that and everything, like everything I do needs to be experiential. And when, when I live an integrated life, an integrated experiential life, that actually is why every day I can wake up and be content. It's not just when I'm out of the country. It's not just when I'm on vacation. It's not just when I get my weekend away. It is this, it is this over sort of, it is this all encompassing, like taking those three things I've earned with those seven ingredients leading to the last one, which is just this, this, I'm good. I'm good when I'm growing. I'm good when I'm not. It's a compounding of the first three that I earned. For those of you, you're listening to this. Um, we put these formulas in the show notes. So below the description, you'll see the description. If you scroll down, you will see it in there because visually looking at it, it suddenly makes a lot of sense. You take activity times your time, time on task over time, divided by choice, meaning you're being strategic about where that activity and time is being invested, that equals the money. And you take money plus people, leverage over opportunity, meaning focusing on the right opportunity, that gives you time. And you take time plus money, that gives you experiences. And time time times money over experience is what gives you the contentment. That is solid, Chris. Uh, it's It's been... It's, it's been a journey. And, and what's interesting is that showed up because think 2017 was this journey on time, right? We believed if we could, we could win on the playing field of time, we could, we could win, right? On any playing field. And once we began winning in that time game, then we said, okay, well, now let's make sure that we're winning with contentment. And that's tough. It's tough for type A personalities that just want to go and want to build and want to grow. What's interesting, Jeff, is growth has happened, right? We've grown more this year than the year before, while our focus has been contentment. And it comes, it comes down to making sure we look at those seven ingredients and they show up in our world in the right places. Mm-hmm. 
And for those of you to, to help you self-discover where your opportunity might be, we've taken Chris's formulas and identified questions you can ask yourself. And these will be listed below in the show notes, right below the formulas as well. But here they are. First and foremost, are you investing your time on the right activities? Could you be doing better? Where could you be doing a better job of investing in people? And where could you be having the people that are already in your world focusing on even better opportunities? Where could you be investing your time and money in experiences that matter? And how can you design your time and money around experiences rather than hoping the experiences just show up? Chris, you look at everything that we've talked about. Let's fly up to 100,000 feet. What's that central theme that people just need to understand? I think first it's it's taking the time uh, to truly understand time, to understand how much we have, uh, to work backwards and make sure that we're using and investing our time. And those are two very different things. Um, but using and investing time properly uh, by design, I think we can't do that unless we gain some clarity on what our end goal is and the direction in which we're going. Remember, I have always struggled with time. And it wasn't until that word experiential became part of my mission. And it wasn't until that word contentment became part of my journey that I realized then it was important for me to take that 80-20 principle and ask myself, is it just a principle? Am I living the 80-20 principle with my time such that I'm creating an experiential life right on the path of having a having true contentment. And I think that it sounds ethereal, yet I'm a very, very tactical human being. And that's why I formulated it out. Um, but it started with time. It, it, it led to right, experiential living and contentment, but it really was founded on one of the key principles in the one thing, that 80-20 principle, and, and, and building our life around that 80-20 principle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing someone listening to this can do such that by doing it would make understanding time easier or unnecessary? The first thing is to get real with where our time is going at this moment. What's... Don't judge yourself for where, where it's going. Just get that down on a piece of paper and be very clear as to each hour of your day, right from the moment you wake to the moment you sleep, where are you either spending or investing it? <laughs> spending or investing. Amen. So what I'm hearing you say, Chris, is that the one thing they can do is whip out a sheet of paper and just write down everything they do in the day from the moment they wake up to go to sleep to get a true, honest snapshot of where their time is going. And then they can make a determination on if it was actually an investment or if it was passively spending it. That's it. So we'll ask you, when will you have this done? Bring a little accountability to the table. Think about it. Are you really going to do it? Will you be the type of person that doesn't just consume content and let it go in one ear and out the other and say, great episode, I'll do better next time, that actually says, I'm making a commitment to my growth. 
Meaning I will not just press pause and go on with my day. I will open up my planner and I will block time of when this will be done. Maybe you're starting it today, right now. That you stop what you're doing, you go, you grab that paper, you grab that pen, and you start documenting. Because if you don't do it now, when will you? Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming on today. These were incredible ideas. And uh, just thank you for all your contributions. My pleasure, my friend. I I appreciate... um everything that you and and the one thing organization is doing for for not just business owners but but people living uh, it is it is incredible work and it's been a, a a huge impact on not just my organization but my family and my people so thank you for what you do it's our pleasure well there you have it our conversation with chris suarez this conversation reminds me of a question my coach asked me he asked What's the legacy your company will be leaving 200 years from now? What would it be? I really thought about that. And the thing that has come to my mind over multiple thinking time blocks, we want to change how humanity views time. Chris alluded to this at the end of the episode. Are you spending your time or are you investing your time? Today, so many of us go through our day unconsciously just spending our time. There's no return on the investment. We wake up and we do whatever is put in front of us, either in our email, our calendars, or people who stop by and ask us if we've got a minute. We work hard, we're busy, and we wonder if we even get anything done. Many people are lacking fulfillment, and certainly many of you are lacking contentment. What would it change to shift it? so that you wake up every single day not feeling like you have to go to the same location and work the same number of hours because that's the way it's always been, but you actually have choice. That you're viewing every second you breathe as an investment and it is intentional. From the activities you are doing, how much time you invest in them, your choice, your money, your people, your opportunity, your experience, all of it is a conscious choice and investment. You take that thought and you ask, okay, well, what do we need to do to get there? And doesn't it just boil down to the 80-20 rule? What's your 20%? What are you currently great at that's yielding the majority of your results? And how can you go on a journey to finding people who can take that 80% off your plate happily and get it done far better than you could get it done so that you open yourself up to doing more of the things that you really love and have the experiences that you want to share with the people that matter most so that you're content. We hope that you do put this episode into action. We hope you follow Chris's advice and get that piece of paper and start documenting it. And if you don't think that's the lead domino for you on this, we would ask you the question, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make getting started with this easier or unnecessary? We would love for you to leave us a rating or review and note I listened to the episode with Chris Suarez. And here's the one thing I'm doing based on this episode. It automatically comes to us. We would love to see that and spotlight some of you in a future episode. If you would like some guidance in getting clarity on what that vision for your future looks like, Chris talked about the importance of having that goal 
and then having a plan so that you're focusing on the 20%, that is what the One Thing Couples Goal Setting Retreat does. So whether you have a significant other or not, this is about setting goals with the people that matter most to you. Go to theonething.com slash event and learn more. And for those of you that you heard the importance of Chris talking about having those people in your world to expand you. We have officially launched One Thing Coaching. So if you are interested in getting a coach who is certified in the principles of the one thing, go to theonething.com slash coaching and you can get more information there. We hope this episode has brought value to you. We would love if you would please share this with five people that you know need to hear this. Your referrals are the lifeblood of this podcast. And we really appreciate those of you who do make it point to go out and spread the word. Thank you so much. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.